Hello, soccer fans. Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 71. I'm your host, Al Qatar, and I'm excited to be here to talk about a USMNT win versus Trinidad and Tobago in an important World Cup qualifying match. So why don't we get right into that? Uh, the U.S. men's national team beat, beat Trinidad and Tobago 2-0 on Thursday night in Denver. Um, in our first World Cup qualifying game since that tie at Panama. It's Bruce Arena's third competitive match after the firing of Jurgen Klinsmann. And this turned out to be um, a very exciting game. And I'm really excited right now, but the main reason for that being that Christian Pulisic scored two goals. Yes, the 18-year-old sensation came through again. And I don't know if you met our expectations or exceeded them, but I am happy with this performance. And... Um, Overall, I thought there were some weak points of the game, some strong points of the game, but why don't I just get these goals out of the way because I'm going to be referencing them throughout the episode. So in the 52nd minute, um, a beautiful piece of play led to Pulisic's goal. So Nagby made a great move around a couple defenders, played a 1-2 with Dempsey, received it again, he had his back to goal, so he had to play it away. Um, so Nagby played it into Yedlin, who did a one-time cross into Pulisic, who just slides it in and slots into the back of the net really smoothly, and that put us up 1-0. And then, just 10 minutes later, Pulisic scores again. Um, this time, Pulisic was a little bit part of the buildup. Um, he brings the ball kind of up the field, and then uh, passes it down to Yedlin. Yedlin plays it into Altador, plays a great one-time through ball into Pulisic, who does a near-post finish past Williams, and it's 2-0 at that point. So those are very exciting goals. Um, I'm sure I'll get into Pulisic a little bit more. And, uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, a lot of people's gripe with this game is going to be the first 10 to 15 minutes because we did come out looking a little sluggish. Now, that may have been a tactic um, that Bruce Arena wanted to play, you know, let let Trinidad and Tobago take the game to us and then punish them on the counterattack. Don't pressure as much, um, which... I can understand that, but really, this game started to shift in our favor towards the latter part of the first half and the second half because our energy level was just so high. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, throughout that 10 to 15 minutes, there were just a couple times where even even forget the strategy, there were just times where I felt like we looked a little slow. Um, There was one time that Nagby, uh, in the 22nd minute, he was just taking it. Uh, on a counterattack, and he was just unusually slow. It might, it might be the altitude, which the commentators are talking about a lot, um, you know, uh, having an effect on the stamina. So uh, that might have been, you know, a reason for some of the sluggishness, but I, I still feel like we picked it up later in the game, which which uh, which makes me a little bit disappointed in, in either how uh, Bruce Arena approached this game or how the players were approaching this game. Um... But uh, yeah, in terms of in terms of Nagby, I thought that he played a really good role, especially after that substitution um, when Kellen Acosta came in for Dempsey. It allowed us to play four two three one because Acosta and Bradley would sit um, at the back end of the midfield, and it allowed Nagby and Fabian Johnson to play more attacking roles going forward. They didn't have to worry as much about uh, the defensive aspect of. Of you know the midfield role, so I thought that was very good. We we looked a lot better going forward, um, and obviously Nagby was uh, a big contributor to that first goal, and uh, I, I think that was before, uh, yeah, that was before the 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 Dempsey Acosta substitution. But still, the more we can get Nagby getting comfortable, getting forward, uh, the better things are, the better our team is going to be, I believe, and. Um, and I think one of the challenges for 
the midfielders in this game is that I think uh, Clint Dempsey was not making the proper runs. And even in some cases, Josie Altidore, there was just a, a lack of movement sometimes, which is, you know, is going to make... It, it, when midfielders are put in situations like that, they're going to be more inclined to pass back, obviously, if there's nothing going on in the attack. So, um, But, I mean, overall, I was pretty disappointed in Clint Dempsey's play. I do understand... Um, him coming off in the 61st minute there for a post, and I, I do think that was the right tactical change by Bruce Arena. Um, you know, Clint Dempsey did did have that one play where in the 35th minute where Viafania shot, and then Dempsey fought hard to get it back to Viafania across to Altidore, um, and that was the shot where Altidore shot straight at the keeper. Um, that was that was my main problem with Altidore in this game. Altidore, Altidore. You know, seemed to be in the right positions a lot. Was was very important to to uh, you know the build up in some cases. In the second goal, obviously, he was he played a beautiful ball into Pulisic, which made it easy for him. But overall, I thought Altidore could have done a little bit more. He could have had a few more goals. Um, he did have a clear header, I think, in the in the thirty seventh minute. Um, Nagby crossed it in, and then he he looked to have the advantage, the height advantage, but he still headed it over, and he was frustrated with himself for that. But I, I think there are there are a couple of positives to take from Altidore's performance, but not so much um, Clint Dempsey's. Now, from a defensive standpoint, I do think that we let up too many chances um, in this game. There were a couple times where um, you know Trinidad and Tobago definitely could have gotten a few goals. Uh, the first one that comes to mind was when um, Kenwin Jones had. Uh, a fairly easy header that hit the crossbar that he, you know, he's usually going to make. Um, there were a couple other chances. Um, that right after we scored the first goal, we just looked to little, be a little bit out of sorts, and Trinidad and Tobago almost scored, but their goal was called offside. Um, and in general, I feel like in the first part of that first half, they were just equaling out our chances. I know Howard wasn't forced to make many saves, but they definitely, there definitely was some danger going on near our part of the box. But I do think that Jeff Cameron did a good job in this game of of getting forward because when the when the midfield was not didn't didn't want to get forward when the midfield didn't want to be as aggressive, Jeff Cameron would take it sometimes and actually uh, actually get back. Um, now Brooks tried to do this too. Brooks had a couple shots and a couple moves forward, but I think in Brooks' case he got a little bit too carried away. Um, in the 19th minute, Bradley had to. Forced to come back and cover for him in the 19th minute, which is, which is, uh, but which I thought Bradley did a good job, but it might show a little bit too much aggression from Brooks. Um, but I think Bradley has really embraced this this more regressive, not regressive, but more defensive role, and I think that he he's done a good job of it so far. I think on the first goal, he won the ball back to um, to start that initial play uh, that led to Pulisic's goal. And he he did have some important you know and some important tackles in this game, and he he did do a good job for covering when the center backs were a little bit out of position, and um, I, I definitely as long as everything is going well in front of Bradley, I really don't 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 have too many problems with 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 Bradley going forward because I think he does play that number six role so so well, but. Um, I, I would like to see him in the next game, maybe paired next to someone because that four two three one we just looked looked to be better after that uh, after Acosta came on for Dempsey and we switched to one striker and I, arguably Altador was more was more productive as well after that. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I still think, you know, Brooks, Brooks and Cameron, you know, they were pretty solid as always. There were just a couple moments where, uh, they were suspect and, you know, Trinidad and Tobago had some, Tobago had some chances. Uh, Yedlin and Viafania, um, they had some good moments going forward. I mean, I think sometimes they, they made it a little bit easy for Trinidad and Tobago on the counterattack to, to get some crosses in, but... Um, you know, I remember one time Jovan Jones just kind of completely did DeAndre Yedlin and he, he did it. He just, um, I think, I think it was Stuart Holden who made a good point that Jovan Jones is always going to cut onto that left foot and, uh, Yedlin just didn't do a good job defending. So I think, I think defensively Viafania and Yedlin didn't do uh, all that well, but going forward, uh, Viafania was, was very important. And I think he was, you know, Without him in the first half, our attack would have been dead at some points because there was just there was just not much moving, and Viafania did put some crosses in and create some chances. So that was really good to see. Um, in goal, Tim Howard, you know, mainly did his job. Um, not yeah, not not much to say there. <laughs> you know, Tim Howard is Tim Howard, and uh, yeah, a, a player who I haven't mentioned that much is Fabian Johnson. Um, I think that when the attack was going well. Um, it was mostly due to Christian Pulisic and Darlington Nagmi being a little bit more active, but I, I I don't think, you know, Fabian Johnson did anything, you know, wrong necessarily. Um, he was a little more quiet than I wanted, but I do think after we switched that 4-2-3-1 for the 10 minutes that he was on before he came off for Alejandro Bedoya, he did a decent job. Um, (laughs) okay, Bedoya made me think of that. That stumble, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, like in like two seconds, he just comes on, falls over uh, on, a, on what could have been a valuable counterattack. Not a big deal. Uh, yeah, that sounded a little hostile towards Bedoya. You're good, but um, <laughs> that was just a little bit funny. Um, and then the, the last substitution that I haven't talked about was Josie Altidore coming out for Bobby Wood in the 83rd minute. Um, it took it took one minute for Acosta to get across into Wood, and a, uh, Wood gets a good shot onto the left post. Um, it was just inches away from going in, but you know, really good strike by Bobby Wood. Uh, he's really good at that, creating just a really powerful shot out of little movement. Um, one of the uh, characteristic about him that I really like. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I think that Bobby Wood would be a decent option going forward because I do think Clint Dempsey, what he showed, showed today was not that promising. And I think that it's always better to pair, um, you know, at least uh, a slower striker with a faster striker. Um, if you're going to play with with two, I I would prefer we play the four two three one. But but if we do see Bruce Arena come out with two strikers, I would not want to see it Altador Dempsey. I'd want to see Altador and Wood, Altador and Morris. But I mean that would be fine. But I'd rather see Altador and Wood. Um, and I, I think that could create a recipe for success. Um, but really, what I well, yeah. My primary option would still be to go for that four two three one. Um, so, what does this mean for the U.S.? I think that you know we're in third place right now. Mexico is playing as I record this episode, so it's all temporary. I mean, I wouldn't really focus on the place that we're in so much as you know what what, what U.S. fans can know is that as long as we're getting these types of results at home, getting some draws on the road, not, we don't necessarily need to do that with Mexico, but getting some draws on the road, getting some wins at home, especially in these matches that you just expected to win and should win. Then we're going to be fine. We're going to make those top three spots, and we're going to we're going to go to be in Russia in 2018. But I I, I think that it was generally a positive performance. I think it shows you what this team is capable of because of that first goal, 
just beautiful from from the run from Nagby to the one time cross from Yedlin to 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 Dempsey's awareness uh, of knowing where Yedlin was behind him and just playing the right ball. It looked like everyone was in sync, and those are the type of goals that just 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 make you smile because um, it's almost like you know that 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 you know that type of play that Jurgen Klinsmann was talking about about beautiful soccer. I, I mean, I know you know I I know we're not there yet at all, but. Those little pieces of play in the final third, I think we have that kind of potential. We just need to put the right personnel on the field and have the right energy level. And yes, Altidore, Wood, Nagby, Pulisic, they can they can create tons of chances. And I think we're the, we'll be able to break down defenses even if they're packing it in the box because these players are creative enough. And um, yeah, I think it's time for my Pulisic segment now. Christian Pulisic. Like, oh my god, I, I'm not gonna lie, like, I was definitely happier, like, I, I definitely would not have been as happy during both of those goals if it wasn't Pulisic, because it just means so much. It doesn't only mean that we got a goal in a World Cup qualifier, but it shows that the hype about this kid is real, and, you know, he's like a year older than me. Is he even a year old? Yeah, he's a year and a few months older than me, and he's just going out there and being a lot more successful than I am in life, And but I'm happy about it, because he... he he looks so mature on the field. You know, the way the way he's, you know, talking with the ref and and just 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 commanding respect, commanding the Trinidad and Tobago players to cheaply follow him. By the way, by the way, little sidebar. In that first half, what the hell was that advantage call? Yeah. It shouldn't really, like the guy said, it shouldn't really be called an advantage if it's a disadvantage. 18 yards out, Fabian Johnson goes down, and we have an advantage. I'm happy that Christian Pulisic complained about that because that was ridiculous. But anyways, he does, he, I mean, Landon Donovan was saying this, by the way, Landon Donovan, great commentary. <laughs> we interviewed him on episode 60 of the podcast. You can always go check that out. Um, but he, Landon Donovan was saying this, Pulisic, pretty much does 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 everything. He has he has the dribbling, he has the passing, he has the awareness, he has the finishing ability. I mean, you know, we don't expect him to come in and soaring for headers, but you know, he doesn't even need to be on headers because he's good at delivering set pieces. I mean, I don't think he's quite honed that skill as much as some of his others, but he definitely has the potential to do that and he's taking corners for us a lot. So, I I'm I'm really happy with with what I've seen from him and he doesn't like like anything else from this point is just going to be a bonus because he is already, already. This is not. This is not Julian Green. This is not Freddie Adu. This is Christian Pulisic. This is the starter for the second best team in Germany. Easily performing against Concacaf competition, and I think it can translate to a stage higher too. I'm I, I like I don't think I'm speaking in hyperbole at all when I say that this this player in a few years is going to be it's going to be the general consensus that he is the best USMNT player that we've seen. I mean, maybe by then he won't accomplish as much as everyone else has, but he will. It, it will be easy to see, and I think it already almost is. But. You know, uh, as with any player, we need he needs to test his consistency. But I, I, I just love watching the guy play, and I'm so thankful that that, that he, we get to watch him uh, throughout this summer. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, a player that I didn't get to talk uh, so much about is Kellen Acosta. Um, you know, 
a player who we've seen throughout the youth levels of the U.S. men's national team, shown versatility. He can play fullback. He can play defensive mid, and, and I really like him defensive mid. He, he did have a few good moves, and uh, but most importantly, at, you know, in this game, like I said before, he gave confidence for those uh, outside midfielders to get a little bit more attacking. And you know, he did a decent good decent job at defending too. So uh, Calvin Costa, great. Um, other than that, you know, it was just a very solid performance. I'd say weakest player was probably Dempsey. Yedlin, a little bit suspect, a little bit, a little bit. I th- saw a, too many through balls come through his side a lot of times, but I, I mean, obviously, uh, he had a great uh, he had a great assist on the first goal, so can't take too much away from. Him. And even even Dempsey uh, was part of the first goal too. So I mean, you know, every player, even the players who didn't play that well, did have some upside to them. But um, let's not, you know, let's not get so confident. Let's not, you know think that we're just ready to go in and bully Mexico because on Sunday because, you know, Trinidad and Tobago could have scored a few goals in this game. And, um, you know, they're, they're the sixth team in the Hex right now. So, you know, that's a little reality check. But I think there's a lot of positives to take away. What separates a good coach from just a coach is can Bruce Arena take the positives from this game and just channel them in a greater fashion? Can he actually... Instead of being stubborn, see what worked in this game and just start off with that in the next game. You know, like, there were so many times where we saw Jurgen Klinsmann just do the same thing that just didn't work, and this is Bruce Arena's chance to show. We don't need to win against Mexico. We don't even need to draw, but I want to see a good performance. I want to see him him do, or, yeah, utilize what worked in this game. So... Uh, that's what I want to talk about the USMNT. Um, I guess I can quickly do a preview against Mexico. All games at the Azteca are going to be hard. I mean, I think that we can come out aggressive, though. We just have to. I, I think we should come out in the four-two-three-one uh, with Acosta and Bradley behind Pulisic, Nagby, and Fabian Johnson, who can be underneath Altidore. I think that would work. And then we could have Wood or Dempsey come on as a substitute um, if we needed a more attacking change. Um, but I mean, I'm predicting, I'm predicting a 2-1 loss at the Azteca for the U.S., but, um, I just want to see a good performance. Um, you know, we don't need to win the Hex. They all count the same in the top three. And, um, remember this game was never going to be, this game was never going to be easy. Um, no matter what. So, uh, yeah, that's enough about the USMNT. Pretty exciting. Um, but I'm going to move on to my next little segment, which is going to be about the uh, transfer rumors that are going on right now. So I'm just going to talk about a few, just two. Um, so Romelu Lukaku, the Everton striker, is linked to Chelsea, and they have set a price tag for around 100 million euros. Now, Diego Costa is on his way out for the current Premier League champions. And Lukaku, I think, would be a perfect replacement. Lukaku has already been able to create... Um, good chances for himself and goals for himself out of not so great of a midfield. I mean, I mean, at times Everton's shown good flashes in the midfield, but you know, not a consistent midfield. Not like Chelsea's anyway. <laughs> I think Lukaku with that much help, I think, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna contest Harry Kane for that Golden Boot next year if he, if he can land on Chelsea. Um, I for for for, for his sake, I'd rather him go to Chelsea than, than Manchester United. Um, because uh, I mean. You know, it's just just a better environment. I think Antonio Conte can utilize him well. And um, Everton, you know, 
100 million euros with lots of cash in on. I'd like to see them rebuild. And Nihal's not here with me right now, but um, he, 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 you know, he would really want that money to be put to good use. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, my next rumor is about Mbappe, of course, the superstar at Monaco who helped them win Liga this year. Um, he apparently is going to sign a contract extension and stay at Monaco, which I think is good for pretty much all parties. I mean, Monaco to hold on to this this talent that made them so successful this year. And um, Mbappe, because I don't think that he would necessarily develop uh, as well in that system. And there's just so much pressure. I, I mean, I, I just wouldn't want to be a Galactico if I were a player. And... Um, uh, and then for Real Madrid, I mean, I, I heard rumors that in order for them to bring in Mbappe, they would need to offload Gareth Bale, which I just, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Real Madrid won the Champions League this year, and La Liga, do they really need Do they really need to get rid of Bale? Would it really help their club to bring in Mbappe and, and, and sell Bale? I don't think so. And I think that if Real Madrid can maintain that front three, they should be okay. I'm losing my voice a little bit, sorry. It's a little bit harder to do this without my brother. <clears throat> but, um, and then, I mean, I guess I can just quickly talk about Juventus and Real Madrid. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of mixed, because part of me wanted Juventus to lose because I do not like Juventus, but part of me wanted Juventus to win because I think that would make Roma look better, and I'm a Roma fan. Um, but in the end, I think you just have to look at this game and just... Just tip your hat to Real Madrid. I mean, Zinedine Zidane, this is his first full season, winning the Champions League and the league, and scoring four goals on this Juventus team that only scored three goals outside that game. I mean, this Juventus defense with under Allegri, and I mean, and pretty much always the Juventus defense, is just one of the most organized and solid defenses, and Real Madrid just just destroying it. I mean, I mean, there were a couple lucky goals. There, I mean, a couple deflected goals, but still, um, nonetheless. And, I mean, that's incredible. Winning three out of four Champions Leagues, I mean, if you're new to this, I mean, that's like, like, that's like winning three out of four Super Bowls. I mean, or maybe hard, I mean, even harder. Like, it's just, it's just kind of unheard of. And Cristiano Ronaldo is a winner. Um, I know he can get on a lot of people's nerves, but he... He has, has slightly changed his role to more of um, a striker rather than a winger in recent years, but he, it's it's worked all the same. I mean, he's still he. Uh, I mean, I think I think when we say that Ronaldo's lost his dribbling, Ronaldo has lost you know his flair or whatever. I mean, like no, he's just he, he's just not what he used to be, which was like by far one of the best dribblers and and you know had the most flair in the world. So. I mean, you know, I mean that that's relative that he's lost it or whatever, you know. So even though he is a striker, more of a centralized striker now, he's still he's still capable of beating players one on one and creating chances. And I, I, I enjoy watching him. Um, for Juventus, I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. You know, that back line isn't getting any younger. Um, Buffon, you know, it would have been nice for him to win. I. I do think that they can challenge against again next year. You've still got that crazy, crazy front line with Manjukic, Dybala, and Higuain. And none of them are going to get worse next season, I don't think. So um, that's exciting for them. I, I don't think that Juventus should touch the transfer market too much because I think they had the pieces that they needed. And I think that they can easily win 
I mean, not easily, but I think they can win Scudetto next year and win the Champions League if and challenge the Champions League again with the current roster. I would I would try to add a couple pieces, but don't 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 mess up too much because right now I think they have a really good balance of star power and depth, and they have got. I would be scared of them going forward um, if I were any other European team. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, my thoughts about the Champions League final are basically. Wow, this is a dynasty by Real from Real Madrid. I mean, I mean, I know, I know they haven't they hadn't won La Liga in a while, but still, those Champions League finals speak for them. Champions League titles speak for themselves. Zidane, amazing player, turns out an amazing coach right now. And Juventus, um, yes, this was a golden opportunity to 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 bring one home, but I don't think it's over. Um, and yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was a pretty good game. I mean, well, yeah, it was Manjukic uh, on that on that and that goal to equalize with Real Madrid. I mean, that was just a brilliant goal. I mean, that's one of the best Champions League goals you're ever going to see. That overhead kick. Um, <laughs> we were so shocked. My brother and I were just in a bar in Chicago, and we were just like, like we could not contain ourselves, even though it wasn't a soccer environment. Um, yeah. The, I thought they kept it pretty even, and then the second half, once Real Madrid scored that, uh, scored that. To, I think it was, I, I think it was Casimiro. I don't have anything in front of me right now, and it was a while ago. But I think it was Casimiro who scored the deflected goal uh, for Real Madrid's second goal, um, and then they just kind of took over, and Juventus had to change their style of play. And they, they, Juventus is used to and prefers playing up or you know playing tied. So, um, and and then Real Madrid can obviously punish you if if Juventus. Gets a little bit uncomfortable there. So that, that, that's basically how the game went. And um, uh, I'm excited for both of these teams next year, to watch both these teams next year, even though I'm a Roma fan. Uh, it'll just be exciting from a neutral point of view. And um, 12 Champions Leagues for Real Madrid. Wow. Uh, yeah, so generally for the podcast, I'm sorry about uh, the lack of content. These these last few weeks, it's my junior year of high school, or was my junior year of high school, which is like the craziest time for me. And I had APs going and uh, prom and a bunch of other stuff. And I, I I'm sorry, like I I kind of gave up to myself. Like I didn't even usually like when we take a break from a podcast, it's like oh every week I just keep on putting it off. But I kind of just knew from late April that I wasn't going to do it. And I think that's why I sent out a tweet uh, then just saying like consistent episodes will be back in June. So, um, and it's definitely harder to do without my brother, but I'm going to do some more specialized episodes, I think, some more five to ten minute shorts about things I'm interested in. Um, but yeah, Nihal should be back in October to December, if anyone's wondering. So, uh, until then, I'll try to be, you know, I'll do it by myself, I'll do I'll try to get some guests on, um, but, you know, that's where he is. Um, and generally, yeah, so, I mean, you know, life's just coming to more of a steady pace for me right now. I'm just trying to work in a schedule and get get going this summer and push out content because um, I know we did not do as well um, in the uh, end part of 2016, the early part of 2017, as we did in the end part of 2015 and the early part of 2016. So um, basically, yes, expect consistent content. I think I, I'm I'm motivated. I'm ready to talk about the U.S. this summer. I'm ready to talk about transfer rumors, and then next year I will not be as busy because senior year in this is just not as bad as junior year. And um, and you know, we're only a year away from the World Cup, guys. 
six months away from the draw. That's so crazy. I mean, I, I can't, like, I, it just feels like the, the 2014 World Cup is yesterday. Um, and then it feels like we were talking about the 2015 Gold Cup yesterday on this podcast. Uh, we're, we're nearing our one-year anniversary, I'll tell you when we get to that. But um, thank you for all the support. Um, we have an email. We have a email for this podcast, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have Twitter and Instagram. Those are under the uh, handles at soccerbrotherspod. Facebook, um, you know, support us in all those places. Then you can listen on SoundCloud, Podkicker, iTunes, wherever you want, really. And uh, review and rate us there and uh, contact me on, you know, social media and email us questions because um, I'm sure I'll be able to answer them and I want to answer them. And uh, I'm excited about the U.S. national team and about where the podcast is going. So um, please uh, keep, uh, keep bear with me here while I try to get back on track. And uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, go check out some of our other episodes that are that are more broad and more long-lasting, like that episode number 60 with USMNT legend Lennon Donovan. That's a great episode. Go listen to that if you haven't already. But anyways, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on episode number 72 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you.